Hey everybody and welcome back to the Commander's Vault. I'm JB. And I'm Dale. And it has been a long time. It has been quite a while since uh, since we got to uh, talk to y'all. Uh, well, I guess I kind of owe you a little bit of an explanation. I got, uh, I got COVID back in late 2021 and I also moved into a house. I bought a house, so the, uh, the schedule was pretty fucked from that and uh then coming into the new year uh we just never managed to get the schedule back together and then dale got covid and he's better i'm better and we're back yeah. and f since wizards really does decide to pump out as much shit as possible as fast as possible we've missed quite a few things um i think we we missed crimson vow we missed um, I think we talked about Midnight Hunt. I think we did. I can't remember if we did or we didn't. I think talk we talked about, about it, Midnight Hunt, but we did. We missed Crimson Vow. We missed Double Feature, and we missed the release of Neon Destiny, as well as a plethora of Secret Layer oh, yeah. products. Yep, yep, yep. As yep. well. So, in lieu of having like a six-hour episode of the things that we missed, we're gonna pick right back up with Neon Destiny, the freshest thing that we've got thus far. And uh, holy crap, it is pretty solid in my mind. Um, but I am a an avid an avid lover of cyberpunk and uh, uh, Asian aesthetic, uh, Japanese aesthetic. And this, uh, so this was this was my jam. I loved a ton of the cards. The original Kamigawa was a flat failure for Wizards uh, by the numbers, but it was a kind of a cult hit afterwards. You know, people really enjoyed the weird the weird shit that was going on in, in original Kamigawa, but after uh, after the actual set was gone and and people hadn't bought it, they kind of wrote it off as a as a failure. But we're back and ever since then they've got a bunch of new shit. We got techno magic now, which um, a lot of people had pretty polarized opinions on. They either fucking loved it or absolutely hated it. Um, I'm in the loved it camp. What about you, Dale? Yeah, I like it. I mean, honestly, I'm with you on the whole Kamigawa, the Japanese aesthetic thing. Like, I mean, I love it. As soon as I started playing magic... I was already just like, oh, dude, you know, you had the old Kamigawa, Portal Three Kingdoms, all that type of stuff. I was just like, oh, dude, I love this. Why haven't they done that again? Why is, have they not gone back to that? Because, oh, I want some new cards to play with that. And this set came out, and as spoilers were coming out, honestly, like everything, I'm just like looking at them like, yeah, I like the art aesthetic. I like the cards themselves. I think they have done a good job, like slightly raising the power of of some standard style cards that we typically get in every set. And I, yeah, I like the direction they went with it. I, I'm a fan of it. I, I'm definitely not in the tribe of it being annoying and not magic. So I like it. You know, I really uh, as m listen. You won't find a podcast where they give fucking wizards as much shit as we do about their practices. But I have to admit, when they do something that I think is the correct move, or the 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 way to move things forward to also make the money but not shaft the every man in the process. So what I believe is that the Hidetsugus from this set. If you're unfamiliar, they're in the collector's boosters. They released these Hidetsugu, uh, I think it's called Devouring Chaos, some shit like that. It's the one that's in, uh, what, five colors? Yeah, de no, uh, Devouring Chaos. Hidetsugu or Devouring Chaos, yeah. yes. And they released a version of it, or multiple versions of it that are hard, A, hard to find, B, are only aesthetically different from the other versions of the Hidetsugu card. And the regular Hidetsugu card is like fucking 50 cents. So that gives the 
collectors something to chase, right? So you have these neon Hitetsugus, red, green, yellow, and blue, and the original. So there's like purple, red, green, yellow, blue. And the red, I believe, is gauged as the rarest. Um, and I saw Twitter posts uh, two days ago. They were buying them for $850 cash for like uh, like card markets. And they were selling at 1600 for the red. Now, like I said, the only thing that's different is the card art, right? So Hitetsugu Devouring Chaos is a 50 cent card, but there is a version worth $1,000. Do you need that version to play? No, you do not. I think this is a better way of going about putting chase cards in collector boosters, making hyper-rare collectible things available in collector boosters for the people who want to spend that money and not kind of locking a, a group of cards like in Crimson Vow. You remember there was only cards that were only available in the collector boosters, like the Avison's Memorial and yeah. shit like mm -hmm. that. Um, I think this is a much better way to go about it, and I think it's paid off for them because this set has sold a fuckload. Well, on, on one hand, I like can agree with you about 80%. Uh, I think it's a way better formula than just making chase rare stuff that's like ex extremely hard to get or putting it in collectors boosters only or whatever. What they're doing here, I think, is much better overall. But at the same time, I really don't like what they did with this. Like to me, it really makes it. it it's like sports cards. They're doing the exact same thing that the sports card market does, where they take a card, same image, same everything, and then they slap six different background colors and hollow foil colors on it, and then each one is assigned a different rarity, and then the cards sell for ridiculous amounts on the secondary market. They're literally doing that exact same thing. But I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I mean, I'm, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing either, but it could lead into the same feels that people have overall with the sports card market, where, like, there was a long period in sports cards where, like, people just got so disinterested in, in it because they were just constantly pumping out all these cards and all these different, like, foils, like... Like, even in, like, the mid-90s, the early 2000s, like, sports cards really were, like, at a low. Like, I mean, actually, sports cards just had a bad run for about 25 years. Just, they, I think they ran sports cards in a bad direction. And they've actually started to get out of that slump. And I just don't want to see Wizards of the Coast take that same route where they end up like every single set coming out with like one or two or three chase cards and then coming out with five different colored versions of it and like here and there once in a while to do that I think is fine. I think that's great. It's good secondary markets, good but, fucking marketing, but if you do it every single set, eh, but I, I don't know. I think the difference being that magic in itself is a game with pieces that they sell you in random packs and the odds of getting the pieces that you need aren't great but on the secondary market if you want a hitetsugu for your deck you don't have to buy a red neon foil fucking thousand dollar hitetsugu you can get one for 50 cents sure yeah right I think in the sports card, like, collectible card game, like, it's it's not even a game. Collectible cards. Like, you don't play yeah. a game with sports cards. They sit in a box. They sit in a case yep. or a whatever. Yep. Like, Magic has, like, that underlying utility of being able to play Magic the Gathering with these cards. So I think having this style of rarity, like inflation where they can say okay we put four cards in here they're just different arts of this one card 
and this one's this rare, and this one's the next rare, and rare, and this is the rarest. Right? I think the only way it works is if they keep it limited to extremely cheap cards. Like, that's a 50-cent card. If they keep it limited to those, I think that then it works. Because then you have the people who crack that in a pack, and they don't want that card. They don't care about it at all. They're able to sell that card on the secondary market and say, now I can build two new commander decks yeah. from selling that. Right. I think that is okay. But if they change the formula up and they decide to do that with already chase mythics, that's when you start okay. getting into it to where it's like, okay, I, I don't like that. You need yeah, to keep I can that, see that as a very low, you know, bulk rare style card that also has the utility of being mm -hmm. like extremely rare and worth money. Yeah, I guess I guess I can understand that. I think they do need to keep they do need to rein in the actual cards that they're using. They do enough playtesting to say like this is probably the cards that are these are probably the cards that are going to get used in standard and modern and pioneer and whatever. Yeah. Now they don't test for every format, obviously, because they printed some broke-ass vintage and legacy shit in this set. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I guess I agree with you. But I still I still think this is the better way to go than the alternative. Oh, I mean, I agree on that 100%. I think it is a better route to go. Like, yeah. I was just voicing my slight concerns yeah, with it. No, but I overall, you. I think it is a Understood. much better route than previous only exclusive secret layers, ultra rare cards that are pushed as hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I got you. What, uh, so I personally have built three decks from this Neon, from Neon Destiny. Um, what are your thoughts on, like, the commander's cards in this set? Uh, overall, I like the set. Uh, like I said, I think there's a lot of cards that are just slightly a bit better than previous iterations of cards that were the same. Like we were talking about it earlier, the uh, black grave lighter, the grave lighter. Yeah, it's just a slightly better card. Has like a little bit more versatility. Like you can play it later if stuff's died. You get the draw. If not, okay, everybody sacks something. It's literally just like a more versatile flashback. So like stuff like that, I like uh, Cloudstone Kieran, which is a Two colorless, one white artifact creature equipment. Kieran, it's a 3-2 with flying. Uh, equip creature has flying, and you can't lose the game and your opponents can't win the game. The reconfiguration cost is five. A bit high on the, uh, which reconfigure is basically an equip cost. Correct. So five's a bit high. But the fact that you can't lose the game, I think is exactly what white wants. And actually what, like, a lot of stuff wants right now, combating the uh, Oracle, the Thassa's Oracle combo type stuff, like, that's just one other thing in your little utility belt that you can just have, equip it to your creature, and all of a sudden now that Thassa's Oracle player has to first get rid of that, you know, or, you know, not combo off. So yeah. I, I like that. I like the uh, Commander pre-cons a lot. I think they... They put some really good commander cards in there. I mean, in the, uh, in the, or the, uh, fuck, what is it? What are you talking about? Uh, the white enchantment aura, uh, swift, turns it into swift a reconfiguration. swift reconfiguration. Yep, I really like that one. Uh, obviously, everybody knows by now it's the combo with Devoted Druid. So. I like that card on top of it being a combo enabler to generate infinite green mana with Devoted Druid. It also has the versatility to be able to slap on other people's stuff real quick and just at flash speed, nope, boom, your abilities are done. Let's end it. I like that card. I like the uh, red-green commander deck as well. It's got some decent cards in there. Uh, I think the one is uh, called One with, one with the Kami. It's a four drop, three colorless, one green flash speed enchant creature you control. Whenever enchanted creature or another modified creature you control dies, create X one one colorless spirit creature tokens where X is that creature's power. 
that's just another card that I think can uh, combo off, generate a bunch of uh, tokens. You know, you slap that on something, you just start sacking things that have plus one counters on it. You create double as many creatures. You slap something like Cathar's Crusade in there. Every one of those enters with a plus one counter. You keep sacking them, boom, infinite. You know, yeah. so. And I mean the the t- the commander cards that were available um, also came out with Ruthless Technomancer, which I think is insane value for yeah. four for four mana, three and a black. You get a two four human wizard that says whenever. Uh, Ruthless Technomancer enters the battlefield, you may sacrifice another creature. If you do, create a number of treasure tokens equal to that creature's power. Then you can pay two and a black, sacrifice X artifacts, return target creature card with power X or less from the graveyard to the battlefield, X cannot be zero. So, I've actually done some dockside loops with this. Um, It's pretty good. Uh, the ability to do the reanimation at instant speed, like it's not a sorcery ability. Uh, all you need is three mana and some artifacts, and you don't even have to use treasures. You can use whatever you need. Um, they also came out with Aki Battle Squad, which is just Godo. They came out with a non-legendary Godo. Whenever one or more modified creatures you control attack, untap all modified creatures you control. After this combat phase, there's an additional combat phase. This ability triggers only once each turn. Now, the Helm of the Host combo, if you're unfamiliar with Godo combos, uh, just works with this. It just is another, it's a backup Godo. The actual uh, set itself, I love the Hinata. Uh, I think I don't even know what our fucking tagline is. TBH Sun Dawn Crown, Hinata Dawn Crown. Now I've actually, like I said, I've built three decks from this set. I built Satoru Mazawa, which is the Bio Box promo. Uh, gives everything in your hand ninjutsu for two and a black and a and a blue. And then whenever you ninjutsu something, you get to uh, look at the top three, put one on your hand, rest on the bottom, and it only triggers once each turn. Hinata is one in Jeskai, so blue, red, white. For a Kirin Spirit, 4-4, Flying Trample. Spells you cast cost one less to cast for each target, and spells your opponents cast cost one more to cast for each target. Uh, I've been using it to great effect. It, uh, it's a, I love the Storm version of the build, and I've been having a blast playing it. And then I also built that dude we were talking about earlier, uh, Hidetsugu Devouring Chaos. Uh, it's fun. It's like a black-red control deck. I have been able to... Like, I was playing against Krark Sakashima, which is one of the better CDH decks out there. Uh, now, it was a little bit more of a budget build of the Krark Sakashima, but the power is still there. And... It turns out if every time they cast their Sakashima, you zap their Krark, uh, it's pretty solid. Yeah. The um, the the effect is pretty powerful. <clears throat> one thing I have been having fun with is Nashi Moon Sage of Scion. For one and two black, you get a three-two Rat Ninja with Ninjutsu three and one black. Whenever Nashi Moon Sage of Scion deals combat damage to a player, exile the top card of each player's library. Until the end of turn, you may play one of those cards. If you cast a spell this way, pay life equal to its mana cost rather than paying its mana cost. Now, if you play like I do, where life is a resource, ripping something sick off the top of people's decks is just so good. Oh, yeah. Insanely good. The They came out with a new set of mythic dragons uh, from Kamigawa. If you remember, the originals were Ryusei, Kiga, Jugen, fuck, Kokusho, what is the white one? Uh, it has the tap-down loops right in now. it. Yep, I can't think of it right now. I literally just got destroyed by it by Neil a couple days ago in a Safi reanimator. Yeah. Ugh. I can't think of the name of it right now off the top of my head. 
it's gonna it's gonna like come to me in the middle of the night. And I'm gonna like. All right. Well, why don't you just continue on? And I'll I'll find it. Well, yeah. <laughs> now we have Al the Dawn Sky, uh, Kyrie the Swirling Sky, Junji the Midnight Sky, Atsushi the Blazing Sky, and Kura the Boundless Sky. Um, they all have different death triggers now uh, than the original. That's yeah. gonna Yose. be Yose the Yose Morning, the morning Star. Star. <laughs> I'm glad you found that. That was yeah. going to bug the fuck out of me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. Owl of the Dawn Sky has flying vigilance and is a 5-4. When it dies, choose one. Look at the top seven cards. Put any number of non-land permanents with total mana value four or less onto the battlefield. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. Or put two 1-1 one, one counters on each permanent you control that's a creature or a vehicle. Pretty strong. Uh... The next one, I just fucking closed this thing for the 50th time today. Uh, Kyrie the Swirling Sky, flying and ward three for a 6-6. Six, six, uh, for six. Um, when Kyrie the Swirling Sky dies, return any number of non-land permanents with total mana value six or less to their owner's hands, or mill six cards, then return up to two instant or sorcery cards from your graveyard to your hand. I think that one's pretty decent. I like it. Yeah. Now, the weird thing is that all of the legendary dragons from the original Kamigawa cost the same mana. They were four and two of the color. Yeah. So. And know, these ones. These are different. These ones are different. So, Owl of the Dawn Sky is three and two white. Kyrie of the Swirling Sky is four and two blue. Junji the Midnight Sky is three and two black. With Flying and Menace, five, five. When it dies, each opponent discards two cards and loses two life. Or put target non-dragon creature card from a graveyard into the battlefield under your control. You lose two life. Atsushi the Blazing Sky is a four drop. For two and two red, you get Flying Trample 4-4. Four, four. When it dies, exile the top two cards of your library. You can play those cards until the end of your next turn. Or create three treasure tokens. And Kura the Boundless Sky... 3 and 2 green for a 4-4 four, four flying death touch. When it dies, search the, your library for up to 3 land cards, reveal them, put them in your hand, then shuffle. Create an XX green spear creature token where X is the number of lands you control. Now that's obviously like, you know, an auto-include for like Landfall or Zusa or something like that. Oh, I mean, it's an auto-include in every single green deck I ever will build. Really? I will always have that in there. Yep. Because when it dies, I just... Get to go search my library for three lands. Yep, I go get my Gaia's Cradle. Yep, I go get all, whatever the best lands I have in my deck, I just go get. Like, you do not want to kill this because I'm going to go get Gaia's Cradle, Thespian Stage, and Dark Depths. Yep, now I have a 2020 as well as a Gaia's Cradle if you kill this. If not, I have a 4 4 Flying Death Toucher that can swing at you every single turn. So, like, why would I not include that? In any of my green decks. Yeah. I mean, I really like the designs on them. They're much more versatile and a little more pushed than the last set of Legendary Dragons. Now, not to say they aren't powerful. Kokosho, if you are uh, new to Commander, Kokosho was banned for a long time. Powerhouse. Yeah. Absolutely nuts. It was in banned as Commander uh, territory. Now, they, they had taken that away, but... Kokosho is still pretty strong. Yose as well, if you're trying to lock somebody out of the game forever. Jugen, uh, Ryuze, and Kiga. Kiga has some weird, weird shit that you can do. When Kiga, the Tide Star, dies, you get to gain control of target permanent that an opponent controls. And there's ways to, like, you know, for two mana, you play Phantasmal Images, a copy of Kiga, it dies. And then you get to control something. Right of replication kick targeting Kiga. They all sacrifice. You get to take five things. You know, it, it, there's interesting stuff to do with that. But I mean, I really like this entire dragon cycle. A lot of all these. I mean, of all of them, I think like me personally, I think the white, the Ao Dawn Sky is the weakest. But everything else, I like, dude. The red. Uh, at Sushi Blazing Sky, I think it's amazing, dude. It dies, you create three treasure tokens, you create some type of loop with that, and boom, you're just sacking it, it's dying, it's sacking, you're getting treasure tokens. Like, well, it's like, if you think about it, 
and as can, well as the impulse draw, ah, I like it. Like, if you can have a reanimation strategy for Atsushi where you're sacking it to, like, Ashnod's altar, mm-hmm. you get the two colorless, and then you have three treasure tokens. Yeah. There's got there's loops around uh, well, Nim Deathmantle. Yeah, you have Nim Deathmantle and that, boom, you're generating at least five mana every single time. You're able to pay for that Nim well, Deathmantle. You're, you're, yeah, your you're generation so you is you one, get one treasure. Yep, you net one, extra one treasure, treasure yeah. every time, which is any colored mana. So you And being able to have that in the command zone. Yeah. Like when all you have to do is draw the Nim Deathmantle and, yeah. and Ashnod's. Keep that in your hand until you're ready to fucking drop it out, and then bam, cast your commander immediately. Oh, if they don't counter it, boom, sack it, start it going. You're good. Like, I even like the uh, Junji, you know? Like, uh, the put target non-dragging creature card from a graveyard onto the battlefield, you lose two life. I really like that. I think that's super strong. There is so much mill going on right now. At least in the meta that I've been playing in, there's a lot of mill going on. There's a lot of games where I'm just like, wow, there is freaking half of everybody's grave or half of everybody's decks in their graveyard right now. And then somebody drops a, what is it? You're playing Living Death or whatever, something like that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, boom, everything comes out. It's like, ah. I was, uh, you know? <laughs> yeah, I was making people cry without Living Death, mostly Cody. Yeah, um, I don't know. I played against it too, and it happened to me as well. So, yeah, the uh, a <laughs> lot of lot of strong cards. We got the return of Jenga Taxis, uh, the blue Phyrexian Praetor, uh, Progress Tyrant for five and two blue. You get a five five that says whenever you cast an artifact, instant or sorcery spell, copy that spell. You may choose new targets for this ability. Uh, Whenever an opponent casts an artifact, instant, or sorcery spell, counter that spell. This triggers only once each turn. So the first thing of each of your turns copies, the first thing on each of their turns gets countered. So real strong. Um, it's mostly like one of the reasons Arayo, uh Soratami Ascendant, was banned in Commander is because it creates really unfun board states where... You have to throw a spell in the trash. If you're unfamiliar with Arayo, it was um, a card that flipped from the original Kamigawa into an enchantment that says counter the first spell uh, your opponents play each turn. And getting that to flip was pretty fucking easy. So you would just flip it over, and then the first spell that anyone countered or anyone cast on their turn countered, and you already you didn't have to spend any mana to do it. Then you would wait and, uh, you know, sit and counter whatever they were going to play for their actual turn like an asshole. But. Yeah, I think it's a bit broken. I think it's annoying. I don't think they should have put that ability on Jinkataxis. I think they should have made it uh, the enchantment, the one I was talking to you the other day about where whenever an opponent casts a spell you reveal the top card of your library if it shares a CMC you counter it. I think that is a much more balanced and fair magic ability than just like, oh, once this is on the battlefield, which it's 7 mana, sure I get, it's a 7 mana 5-5 five, five creature, but you can cheat it into fucking play so easily, not even have to pay its mana cost I just think that that ability is pretty broken like you just counter yep counter it like it's just i don't know it is it's an unfair magic environment it creates an environment where people are like okay this isn't fun to play because every single turn whatever i play is going to get countered unless i first play a one drop hopefully or a two drop hopefully and then have mana left over to cast a second spell. I think yeah. it's just too strong. But, I mean, I got rid of all my Jengataxis that I pulled. <laughs> so, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Haven't played against anybody playing it yet, but... Well, the reason why it's also extremely strong is because it's a 7-drop. And some CDH decks run their... 
five drop commanders with Eldritch Evolution and Neoform, and Eldritch Evolution can turn their five drop commander into a Jenga Taxis for two mana or three mana. So, yeah, it's really strong. Uh, and I that did happen. It did happen to me on like turn three, where they cast their Tassiger on turn two. Turn three, they cast Eldritch Evolution and spun their Jenga Taxis out. Personally, I think the fairer of the two that are in contention is Toxroll, the Corrosive. If you're unfamiliar with Toxroll, the Corrosive, it is a 5-drop, I think 7-7. Seven, seven. It's a 7-7 seven, seven for 7. But uh, it's a 7-drop, fi- 5 and 2 black for a Slug Horror that says at the end of each end step, the beginning of each end step, each creature you don't control gets a slime counter on it. And creatures with slime counters on them get minus one, minus one for each slime counter you control, or for each slime counter on them. And then you can pay a black and a blue, sacrifice a slug, draw a card, and whenever a creature dies with a slime counter on it, you make a slug. So, like, I th- I think the value of Toxroll is much more fair. It's a lot easier to kill. It keeps down creature board states. You don't get to copy your spells. And someone can easily just ping it off the, the board, and that's that's that. I think Jin dodges a lot more removal. Yeah. Because of the counter clause. But, yeah, I, I love this set. I've had a great time opening it. I have had a fun time playing all three of the decks and brewing all three of the decks. I think there were some misses as far as the the cards are concerned. I think the invoke cycle was pretty weak, mostly. I was pretty unimpressed with that with that cycle. Um, oh, we got a new Kodama, the final Kodama. The Kodama of the West Tree. Uh, for two and a green, you get a 3-3 three, three with Reach that says modified creatures you control have Trample. Modified is the new like keyword that says anything that has like equipment or auras or counters, they're all modifications. Whenever a modified creature you control deals combat damage to a player, search your library for a basic land, put it on the battlefield, tap, then shuffle. Not as strong as some of his other his his brother, the Kodama. What is it? Kodama of the West. I still think it's pretty freaking East. good, though. East Tree. I the still think drop. this is good, though, dude. I'm Anything not saying it's bad. That yeah, you I'm not have saying it's bad. a counter on it has trample, like, and you get to just just ramp huge. Like this is this is my kind of card right here dude three mana early game i'm pumping this out next thing you know by turn five i'm like i got multiple counters on my dudes i'm attacking they all have trample i'm tutoring out tons of my basic lands i'm ramping like i i think this card's like actually like really good three mana three three with reach like that just as a base is like pretty good but then you get all, all of your shit, freaking yeah. modified creatures get trampled and you get to tutor out all the stuff. That's, like, pretty good. Yeah. I, I, I really think that that's pushed. It's it's pretty solid. I've seen it do some work for some people. Um, the other cycle in this was the Marches. March of Otherworldly Light uh, for white. March of Swirling Mists for blue. March of uh, Wretched Sorrow for black. March of Reckless... What the fuck is that? Reckless Joy. Reckless Joy and March of Burgeoning Life. Um, Reckless... uh, Or the March of Burgeoning Life, in my opinion, is the best one of them all. Uh, X in the green, instant speed as an additional cost to cast this spell. You may exile any number of green cards from your hand. This spell will cost two less to cast for each card exiled this way. Choose target creature with mana value less than X. Search your library for a creature card with the same name as that creature. Put it onto the battlefield tap, then shuffle. I think that this card is really 
friggin' good, dude. Like, you have the mana and somebody goes to Thassa's Oracle you. In response, you go get your Thassa's Oracle and win the game. Uh, you gotta be, I don't know. Like, what do you think about that? I, I think that having, have the same name is way too restrictive. Yeah, but not if you're playing CEDH where, like, 80% of all the decks are running the same shit. I, I, like, mm. I think it is easily worth slotting in an instant speed X and one green. If you're running green in CDH, to slot this card in your deck. Especially if you're already running Thassa's Oracle yeah, combo what, in your deck. Like, this just, just allows many, you to I, it literally go right over top of their combo. When they go to win, you just cast this and you win instead. But the difference is, I think this is a dead card too many times than it's useful. I don't know about that. I think that depends on the meta. Like, in our meta, I mean, dude, it's like constant Thassa's Oracle around here. Well, like, think about it like this, okay? You have... Imagine that you have a CDH pod of the four top decks. Now, they just did a huge CDH tournament for playing with power. And I think the top was... I think it was Timnathrasius... Ishai Jessica, which doesn't run Thassa's. Yep. Clark Sakashima, which doesn't run Thassa's. And I don't remember the fourth general, but I don't think they ran Thassa's either. If this if this is running the, the Thrasius Timna deck, it's dead. Sure. I mean, you know, I can that's, agree that's, with that. And that's in the finals of the CDH playing with power tournament. All right, I agree with that. I'm just saying I think this is a really, really good card when it comes to CEDH. Whether whether or not it's in your main board or your sideboard, that's totally dependent on the meta in which you're playing in. But in our current meta here at the Comics Vault, I think that this card is going to be a powerhouse, especially with all the freaking decks. Because, like, the last, like... 10 tournaments I played in here, it's Thassa's Oracle decks mm-hmm. that get the, you know, top two, top three positions. So if you're running a deck that runs green and blue together, you definitely are going to run this so that you can go over top of the other person's Thassa's Oracle. If not, if your meta is different, then yeah, this is a card that's just probably like a sideboard or just like Thrasios Vile Smasher. That was the other one. Yeah, and that's a that's a definite staple. Jessica, I think. Jessica Ishai, Thrasios Vile, uh, Thrasios Timna Hulk, and Kark Sakashima. Yeah, those all seem like staple CDH decks to me. Every yeah. one of them. So. So I guess it's, it can be decent, but it's really meta-dependent. Yeah. I mean, if your meta is overwhelmed with Thassa Oracle and you're running Thassa's Oracle in your deck and you're running a Simic build, I think this card is 100%. Bam. You want it in there. It's going to, seriously, you're able to respond to the other player trying to combo out. If not, if your meta's not really Thassa Oracle heavy, if you don't run a Simic build, then yeah, this card probably isn't going to be like a big deal. But eh. niche it may be, I think it has a big time potential. Uh, Shrine's also got a huge buff. Oh, yes. Shrine's definitely got a big buff. Um, the new Shrine commander, Go Shintei of Life's Origin, has whenever a non-token shrine enters the battlefield, you create a 1-1 shrine token, and it is a shrine, essentially. And it also has pay Wooberg, so one of each color, and tap, put an enchantment from your graveyard under the battlefield. 
Uh, it's pretty strong. The one we have here at the shop is pretty tuned up. Yeah. Um, it's fairly fast. He can get... If you can keep the shrines down, if you can keep his Goshinte dead, all his little shrine tokens dead, it doesn't work as well. But he still has the fallback of the... the what's the fucking... The shrine of the five-color shit. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I can't think of the name of it. From but, M21 or M22 or whatever? Yeah. The deck was really good, even before this Kamigawa set came out. Like, his shrine deck was, like, really tuned up, really good, would, like, destroy tables if they weren't ready for it. And then this came out, and I'm like, yeah, now it's even better. Now it's just... Much now, better. <laughs> I still think Sisse is a little better of a commander for that deck because of the, the tutoring, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and you can literally just go fetch Goshente. Like, you can just go get him. Yep. Which is pretty solid. And I think that would be better. But he's having a blast playing it. I'm having a blast blowing all his fucking shrines up all the time, and he gets real <laughs> mad. Yeah. So... Yeah, I'm having a great time. Uh, how about the uh, reality chip? It's a one in a blue for a legendary artifact creature equipment jellyfish. You may look at the top card of your library anytime. As long as the reality chip is attached to a creature, you may play lands and cast spells from the top of your library. The reconfigure cost is two colorless and a blue, and you get a zero four. I think that this is pretty damn good dude like this reminds me of bolus's citadel but i was really underwhelmed in blue it. i was underwhelmed with it i wasn't super on the reality chip train i mean i'm not like super huge on it i'm not like a a huge blue player but i mean i feel like it really is kind of like a bolus's citadel almost like it's like man well in order to use its Ability, it's good ability. Uh, costs you, five. It costs five, which is what Future Sight costs. The enchantment that does the same thing. Yep. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's better because it has like recursion, like you can get it back easier, or but it's also like easily killed. I don't know. I I don't know how I feel about it. I haven't seen it enough. I haven't tried it myself, so I'm not gonna. Yeah, you know, I mean, like, I haven't, never I have it. yet to see it like played heavily or anything like that. But I, I, I think it could be really good. It I just totally depends on, on the pilots and how they're using it. So, but I figure I would mention that because I've heard tons of people talking about it. So, yeah, uh, I think the. I want to talk about the the what's called. Oh my god. The Ukiyo-e lands. The okay. woodblock lands. Yep. Um, so they came out with two uh, with two each one for each, or two for each land type. Different arts based on the Ukiyo-e style or woodblock printing style that uh, Jap uh, J Japanese artists used to do paintings. And holy shit are they gorgeous. And I'm collecting foils, and if you fucking have foils and you want to ship them to me, I'll fucking, you know, I'll buy them from you. I don't care. Because they're, they're going in every deck. They're making every deck pimped out as fuck. They, and it's all cosmetic, you know, like, they're just cool looking lands. They're not, you know, integral pieces that you can't get anywhere else. It's just land with cool art. Yeah, they're probably some of the best-looking arts of all cards I've ever seen in Magic the Gathering. I really, truly do love these lands. They are so amazing. Yeah, and on our way to uh, on our way to the Channel Lands, which I am going to talk about because they are fucking really powerful. Um, I want to make a pit stop at the artifacts and mention uh, one or two that really broke out to me obviously mirror box we were just talking about this today it's yeah. an artifact it's a three drop the legend rule doesn't apply to permanence you control each legendary creature you control gets plus one plus one each non-token creature you control gets plus one plus one for each other creature with the same name as that creature 
So it's a it's a it's an anthem. It is a mirror gallery, which was a five drop from the original Kamigawa block, and it's three drop now. So just ob- just better, yeah. Obvious, just straight a uh, flat upgrade. And um, I think it's cheap as fuck. And if you can pick one up, you should pick one up right now because this thing in four or five years is going to be a fifteen twenty dollar card minimum, guaranteed. Yeah. Definitely. The other, uh, the other one that I wanted to talk about is kind of fl- was flying under the radar for a while, but I think blew up in vintage. But you know, five people play vintage, so <laughs> it's like I think its commander thing uh, can be much greater. Containment construct. It is a two drop, two one that says whenever you discard a card. You may exile that card from your graveyard. If you do, you can play that card this turn. I don't know if anybody has ever played with a Lion's Eye Diamond who listens to us, but uh, sure you have. Lion's Eye Diamond, pitch your hand. Now you can cast anything that was in your hand. That is broken. That is so insanely good. Uh, wheel effects. The wheel now puts them into a place where you can still cast them. Yep. You know, everybody else goes to the shit bin, and yours goes into, a, like, your second hand, which is now exile. That is so strong to me. And yeah. people are already breaking this fucking card in half in, in Vintage, and there's... I've seen some talk about a legacy, like a legacy trial of this deck, but it just doesn't work as good... Uh, as with all the zero drop artifacts that you get in vintage, the Moxon and Black Lotus and all that shit. Yeah, but I mean, literally the day this card was spoiled, I was getting text messages from our boy Josh, just saying how broken this card was and how he was gonna just break it and utilize the shit out of it. And like, seriously, I yep. mean, it, it it gets there. This card is. A freaking powerhouse. And one thing that we did notice, too, is of all of the boxes that were opened here at the Comics Vault, I mean, I think I must have been here for about six or seven boxes opened up. we seen, like, five of these. Yeah. Five of these I got one uncommon show up out I got of one, boxes. I got one regular and one foil. So... We're basically saying, like, is this really an uncommon? Or did they just basically say, short here's print. a mythic, but we're going to put it at uncommon. And just short print the shit out of it. Because, like, seriously, like, I have one. I'm one of, like, very few people that actually have one of these around here. And I've watched multiple people open up boxes and boxes and boxes of Kamigawa and not pull one. So, for me, I'm kind of just like, man, that's kind of weird that this uncommon is not even being pulled at all. Yeah. Like, and it is just so freaking good, man. I Seriously, like, that effect is just bonkers good. But. Yeah, the, um. Now, that was my pit stop through the artifacts. There is a cool Gundam in here. There's like a Voltron that you can put together. I really don't give a shit about it, but you know, some people were really stoked to to make you know, Voltron. Literally just actual fucking Voltron. Um and I really want to talk about the channel lands. If you are unfamiliar with the channel lands, there are four or five legendary lands, one of each uh one of each production land type. And they have the channel ability. Now, the best part about this, channel is an ability that, like, cannot be countered by most means. Like, you have to have a very specific set of cards or counters that can get rid of these. But these can be played under Jengataxis. So when Jengataxis says, oh, the first spell you cast each turn gets countered, you channel Otawara Soaring City. It says, three and a blue. Discard Odawara Soaring City. 
Return target artifact, creature, enchantment, or planeswalker to its owner's hand, and this ability costs one less to activate for each legendary creature you control. So for a minimum of one blue, you can discard this card and bounce their gin. Yeah, hell yeah. And it doesn't get countered. That's busted. That's crazy. It's, uh, it, in my opinion, it's a response to, they knew what was going to happen with Jin, so they had to have some type of counter effect, and, and this is it. Yeah. This is the, you discard it and put it back in their freaking hand. And Boseju, who endures, is the green version. It says, one in a green, discard Boseju, destroy target enchantment, artifact, or non-basic land and opponent controls. That player searches their land for a, or searches their library for a land uh, with a basic land type and put it into the battlefield, then shuffle. It costs one less to act, uh, activate for each legendary creature you control. So for one green, somebody's fucking around with a rule of law or a fucking winter orb, Dale. Yeah. Or a, you know, <laughs> yeah. static orb or any of this bullshit uh, stacks, stacks pieces. Piece. And for nearly uncounterable doesn't count as your spell per turn you can discard this and destroy it yeah i love this i absolutely love this it's insane it's insanely strong it actually is is one of the strongest cards printed in the set it's a land i personally think it's one of the strongest cards printed in the last like decade of magic to be honest i think this card is insanely good this is like on the level of you know force of will this is like a straight, you can very rarely interact with this. And for one fucking green mana, I'm going to shut down whatever you're doing. And yeah. you can't react to it. Like, this is an I, insanely good card. Yeah, I, I agree. A lot of the, the decks running this in 60-card formats are running fours, threes of it. Amulet Titan is running the shit out of it. It gets over the blood moons. It gets over all that dumb shit that shuts Amulet Titan down. And it's yeah. a land that you can tutor and then bounce with your bounce lands. Yeah. So you bring it out with Primeval Titan. You you go search for two lands. You get Boseju that endures and Simic Growth Chamber. The oh, Growth yeah. Chamber target yeah, targets the Boseju back to your hand. You channel it and blow something up. It's broke. Yeah. 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 This, uh, this land... Uh, who endures Buseju? Who endures is is ridiculously good. I mean, seriously, it's and that's not even to level. say like <laughs> Buseju is obviously the strongest one, but they're all decent. I think. Yeah, like, I, I think effects so for uh, a channel ability. Uh, the red one, Sokenzan, the uh, Crucible of Defiance, says for three and a red, discard Sokenzan. Uh, just create two one-one colorless spirit creature tokens. They gain haste. This ability costs one less for each legendary creature you control. A lot of people trying to go wide. A lot of people can throw down blockers that they otherwise might not have thought they had, or something like that. Um, yeah, that goes straight into uh, Winota. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna play that in Winota. Fucking pay for it, discard it. Fucking bam, got some hasty attackers that are gonna get triggers yep. on Winota. Takinuma Abandoned Mire is the black, uh, the black one for three and a black. Discard Takinuma, mill three cards, then return a creature card from your graveyard to your hand. That's pretty solid. Somebody's trying to exile your graveyard, and you just say, "Well, I need to get this out of there first. Yeah, in you response. Know. Yeah, in response, I channel this. Sure, I'll put three cards in there, but I get the thing that I need out. Yep, let me grab my important boy out the bin. And then, obviously, the blue one, Odawara. I already said that one's pretty good. It's just uh, it's like an unsummon for artifacts, creatures, enchantments, planeswalkers. Just anything you need to pop back to somebody's hand. Um, you know, if you're trying to storm off and the opponent has, like, a Mystic Remora or something, and you're just like, I, if you draw... A bunch of cards you can probably stop me so i'm going to put that back in your hand and i'm going to storm off and it's nearly uncounterable and then i think the weakest one uh, uh the weakest one's the red one in my eyes but this is the second weakest a ganjo seed of the empire for two and a white discard it uh deals four damage to target attacking or blocking creature um yeah 
It costs one less to activate for each legendary you control. I think that's the second weakest. I think Sokenzan, outside of niche strategies like Winota, is also pretty weak. Yeah. But I think it's like quite obviously Boseju, Otawara, Takanuma, Iganjo, and Sokenzan in that order of, of yeah, power from what's from good. Most to least. Yeah, I agree. I would 100% agree with you on that, for sure. Um, one one piece of tech that I thought was pretty interesting for like casual decks, Roadside Reliquary, is just a regular land that taps for one colorless, or you can pay two and sacrifice it to draw a card if you control an artifact, and draw a card if you control an enchantment. How many fucking EDH games do you play where someone doesn't have like some random enchantment and an artifact? So essentially, this is a land that says pay two, draw two cards. Yeah, and that's actually pretty decent. I think. Yeah, I also think so. The uh, commander decks that had come out, there's a blue-white and a green-red. Um, a lot of people are praising the, the blue-white for being the new Dramatic Scepter commander. Um, because stapled onto it is one tap, draw two cards, then discard a card, then create a creature. So it's also an 8-8 eight, eight for two and a white and a blue. Now it is a vehicle, and it specifically says uh, Shorkai Genesis Engine can be your commander. So it is the first vehicle commander that is allowed. Um, the overall... Like dramatic scepter. I, I want to see more results. Uh, I don't think I'm personally going to build build it. Dramatic scepter over, and uh, Azorius has never really been my bag. I, I like black too much to play those colors by themselves, though I have in the past. Um, the Meogen cycle uh, returns. The Meogens were. The old, in the old Kamigawa, they came in, and if you cast them from your hand, they got an indestructible counter, and they re removed it to do something nuts, usually. Um, the uh, green one was put all creature cards from your hand onto the battlefield. The black one was one player discards all their cards in their hand. The red one was, I think, destroy all lands, infinite rage. Yeah, I think so. Um, the white one was, I don't know. I don't think it was very good, though. Yeah, I, I have no idea what it was. And the blue one, I have no fucking idea either. Me either. But the new Mia Gens, that same power level, um, I do think that the old ones were a little bit stronger, but they're just... Big splashy creatures meant to have like really wacky effects, you know. Um, I like the green one, uh, the Meocean of Towering Might, which is an eight-eight spirit. It says when it enters the battle, it enters the battlefield with an indestructible counter on it. If you cast it from your hand, remove an indestructible counter from it, and distribute eight plus one plus one counters among any number of target creatures you control they gain trample till the end of turn so kind of like a pseudo crater hoof style effect i not as good as crater hoof i but think that sucks <laughs> i mean i think it's kind of cool i think I like you have your artwork. green goggles on right now i don't know i just really love the artwork it's an eight eight it's super big it's splashy if you could like i don't know it's all right but I really love the red one, though. For Toroff, dude, this red boy is, like, my shit right here, dude. So, for eight mana, you got five colorless, three red. You get a seven-four spirit. Enters the battlefield with an indestructible counter if you cast it from your hand. Remove the counter from it. It deals seven damage to each of up to three targets 
That's so tore off, bro. You're fucking throwing out 21 damage in Toroff on some creatures, and you're gonna straight up be like, okay, what's that? That's a 2 2. Okay, I'm throwing 7 at that. What's that? It's a 1 1. I'm throwing 7 at that. And then all of that extra damage, you're just piling on to everything else. Yes, it's insanely niche, <laughs> but in Toroff. It is just so legit. I love it for my Toroff build. I'm just like, yes, this is going to be so great to play this. It's like, no one's ever going to see it in any other build. It's <laughs> it's something that no one's going to see. And then all of a sudden it comes out and they're like, wait, what? I have to read that. And you're like, oh, well, you go ahead and read it, but you lost the game. <laughs> I, I just, I, I like it because of that. Well, But yeah. I, I mean, the Grim Betrayal is by far the best one, though. It's the only one that I think has any type of, like, actual play in Commander is the Grim Betrayal. I think it's the best one of the entire Mosian cycle. Uh, it's a 5-2 for 8 mana. Mosian of Grim Betrayal enters the battlefield with an indestructible counter if you cast it from your hand. Remove an indestructible counter from Maj- Motion of Grim Betrayal put onto the battlefield under your control all creature cards and all graveyards that were put there from anywhere this turn. I think that is like by far the best one. There's plenty of loops and cycles that you can do with that to just like keep abusing that power over and over again. And you know, I think that is by far the best one. I guess I could agree. I think. Maybe the white one might be better in like some insane token builds. Cause you, if you're running any sort of token doublers, just the amount of permanents that you have to cast fucking Myojin of Blossoming Dawn has to be at least eight. Some some around there with like maybe you're playing some crazy mana rocks or something. But usually, if you if they, if you have any sort of board state, cast this. Your board state doubles, triples. You know. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, this uh, this set has been pretty pretty cool to watch. Uh, the shakeups, there's some cool stuff coming out for the commander decks, um, and even in sixty card, uh, Kappa Cannoneer has been a monster in I think Pioneer or Modern or some shit like that. Um, the Drum Bellower. Which is uh, two and a white flyer, th- two one untap all creatures you control during each other player's untap step. I mean, I think it's pretty strong. The fact it doesn't hit lands seems to make it more balanced than Seedborn. Yeah, I've seen this actually used quite a bit uh, lately. Really? So yes, mm. indeed, I have I, seen this one keep coming out all the freaking time, and they're untapping all their artifact creatures. So yeah, it's all right. It's not anything like super powerhouse, but I think it's pretty decent. Uh, yeah, and uh, so I think I think that kind of sums up my thoughts on uh, Neon Destiny and the cards therein. I've had a great time playing with the commanders that we've created or that I've created from uh, from this set. I think there's a lot more potential. I think the we just need to see a little bit more data. And you know, play a lot more commander, which is what which is what we want to do anyway. But um, I think it wouldn't be a Commander's Vault podcast if we didn't give something away. And I I think we should uh, give something away after being away for so long, you know. And since they if they've made it to the end of the podcast, then um, what should we give away, Dale? Uh, let's give away a. Double feature poster. Oh, the promotional poster for double feature? Yep. It did look pretty sick. Yeah, I um, like that. Yeah. Let's do uh let's do the do you wanna do a code phrase or does it matter that since we're the end we're at the end of the Uh how about the code phrase is Ruthless Technomancer? Sure. That's fine with me. Great card, great list card, great and, card. Uh, I think it's a good one overall. So you, you made you, we've 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 made a, an error. We didn't actually say one of the reasons why we've been gone so long. MTG Survivalist was uh, locked up a bit, <laughs> eh, Dale? Oh uh, yeah, I was. Got a little, uh, uh, I was bandage. 
Locked out of Instagram for about six months, yeah, yeah. indeed. So I could not so, access my account. But. Which uh, fucking sucks, but uh, he's back, and he'll be posting details of the giveaway with a picture of the poster that we're giving away. And like in every single giveaway we do, I don't give a fuck. Look, if you're in Ukraine, we'll fucking get an airdrop to you, all right? Yeah. Like, we will get your poster to you wherever the fuck you are. Yeah. Um, so don't be afraid to enter if you think that we won't. Again, the uh, passphrase is ruthless technomancer. Yep. And you can just, uh, do you want to tell them the steps to, to get entered for that? Oh, uh, yeah. You can uh, go ahead and send. Uh, me, MTG underscore survivalist, a direct message on Instagram with the uh, passphrase ruthless technomancer, or you can send the commander's vault uh, Instagram page a DM with the passphrase ruthless technomancer, or if you don't use uh, Instagram at all, you can go ahead and email uh, us at the commander's vault at gmail.com with the passphrase ruthless technomancer to get entered into the uh, giveaway all right well thanks everybody for listening and uh, if you're still out there listening to us thanks for giving us a chance uh, and coming back because it has been quite a while we understand that and uh, we would just like to keep making uh, making more content for you so again thanks again from the commander's vault i'm jb i'm dale and you have a good one